and welcome to one in a series of podcasts discussing IBOR reform and transition to risk-free rates in the loan markets. Um, in this podcast, we will discuss lending in the new compounded risk-free rate world and the significant developments we've seen recently in this space. Um, so my name is Bobby Butcher. I'm a managing associate in the banking team uh, in London, uh, and I'm joined today by Benedict James, who's a partner uh, in the banking team as well. Uh, and we thought this was a good time to catch up on where things uh, stand. Obviously, we're now a month or so after the Sterling uh, Risk-Free Rate Working Group called time on new GBP LIBOR loans. Um, and we're going to discuss what we're seeing on new deals, where the transition of the legacy book stands, and what bits of the jigsaw remain outstanding. Um, so, Benedict, you know, we're now a month or so after the end of GBP LIBOR loans. How do you think that transition has played out? Well, starting with new loans, I think there was some worries, some scepticism. The market was really ready for this and that we might have a bit of a cliff edge with some dislocation in the real economy of, of, of the loan market not functioning properly. I think the good news is that pretty clearly hasn't happened. I think the concerns were both operational and documentary. As for operational, actually, I think that probably was the bit that some banks weren't quite ready for. They didn't have the right software to make everything work and, and interest and so on. Um, but I think people just got over that. One or two banks possibly did pause in, in executing new loans fairly briefly, but most either were ready for it or just did things manually or with a bit of help from Excel or something. Uh, on the documentary side of things, I think the LMA has been very helpful here. We had a recommended form and, and, and that's had a lot of buy-in both from uh, bank side and borrower side. There's still stuff to be put to bed. Um, the credit adjustment spread, we need to, you know, really reach market consensus on where that's going to end up. Is it, are we going to look at the numbers that are now painted on the Bloomberg screen or are some people still going to be looking for prospective uh, historic, historically derived rates? Uh, and there are other things to flooring, market disruption rate, whether market disruption is a concept that really applies anymore. Incentives to discourage prepayments. If, if, if one doesn't keep rate costs. Um, so I think the sterling market has gone quite well. The, the dollar market, I would say, is a little bit more um, fluid. Uh, I'm really talking about London dollar market here. I think there's a separate podcast on, on, on dollars generally, particularly in the New York market. But broadly what's going to happen, broadly what's expected to happen in the London market is just that that London banks follow the lead of the various recommendations from the US regulators. And that's relatively clear as to new deals that um, uh, you should definitely stop at the end of the year. Uh, at, but, and if you can, the end of June, I think most people are regarding the end of the year as the real deadline there. And uh, in the meantime, I think you're really meant to be putting hardwired rate switch language in. Uh, I think the reality, as I say, is most Banks are thinking they'll wait till the end of the year before they really stop. But in the meantime, I think probably the majority are putting in rather soft wording about what we'll try and change to something else sometime rather than really hard wiring that. Uh, there doesn't seem to be any regulatory criticism of that yet, but it's possibly something to keep an eye on over the next coming months. Um, as I say, Bobby, that was really an answer uh, on new deals. Uh, I know that you've been very involved with a number of banks looking at the huge stack of legacy deals that are out there that need to be converted uh, in theory before the end of 2021, which is seeming rather closer than it used to be. Um, and even allowing for the US LIBOR extension to H2 
2023. So how do you think that's going across the various LIBOR currencies? Yeah, thanks, Benedict. I mean, you're right. There's a huge stack of deals, obviously, that that needs to be repapered. And, you know, that is an enormous um, job, really, for a number of banks. Um, I think it's, you know, it's helpful to kind of split things up a little bit. So, you know, generally, it's easier in the bilateral market um, to, to move deals. I think that's been our experience today. Um, there's obviously just by its very nature, fewer sort of parties that are involved in, an, in a given deal. Um, it's a much bigger task in the syndicated market, you know, not least because you've got more parties involved, uh, more, more views on how things should be done, but also a question about actually who should be taking responsibility for, for driving that, uh, that transition. And so I think that's something that regulators are aware of as well. And that's something that we've seen sort of increased focus on and statements from the regulator in, in recent months, things like DSEO letters, et cetera, you know, really trying to um, put the onus on to banks in a syndicate to take responsibility to be proactive. Um, and then of course, there's, you know, there's different approaches to how you actually transition and we're seeing a different, you know, range of approaches in the market. So um, some transactions, people are being quite specific and just looking to update references to LIBOR uh, and doing it in quite a surgical way. Um, Others might see this as an opportunity to refinance or, you know, wrap LIBOR amendments up into a, a, a more general repapering of a facility. Um, and then people are also reappraising their currency portfolio. So, you know, to the extent you're not actually using a LIBOR currency in your existing multi-currency deal, um, then you might be quite comfortable actually just switching those currencies off and just subsisting with um, perhaps euros based on your LIBOR um, for now. Um, and then, you know, there's different approaches to actually how you document the transition. We're seeing a, a range of approaches there. Um, as, as a firm, we've worked with a number of parties using a, a, a sort of short form override style agreement, which has proved, you know, popular and, uh, and effective. Um, but for some deals, you know, the right answer will probably be a, a full restatement or a full line by line amendment of, of, the, uh, of the facility. So, you know, there's lots going on at the moment. I'd say in terms of where we are in the process, um, you know, we haven't seen a tremendous volume of deals be converted as yet. I think we're in that stage where banks have uh, settled on their preferred approach. They're talking to their borrowers, borrowers are upskilling themselves on RFRs. Um, and obviously, you know, the, very much the regulatory hope and, and the hope from banks is that actually a lot of those discussions now get converted into um, executed uh, transactions over the coming months. Um, and of course, we're, we've got this deadline from the Sterling Risk Rate Working Group for, for Sterling um, to try and get things done by the end of Q3 this year. Uh, and I think, you know, in reality, some institutions and some lenders are in a place where they can meet that. Um, but, you know, I think it wouldn't be a surprise at all to see an, a number of people fail to hit that deadline. Uh, and that's obviously been reflected in the amount of regulatory scrutiny that's come onto the syndicated loan market recently. I think the, the last thing to say, just in terms of issues that might slow things down, is just is just around um, costs and who actually pays for these amendments, particularly in the syndicated market. Um, and that's one of the issues that we're seeing, you know, discussed at length on a number of deals at the moment. Um, and again, something that is probably slowing down, um, slowing down transition. And it will be interesting to see the extent to which, you know, regulators look at the efforts that banks have made over recent months and you know, essentially deem them to have tried hard enough, uh, you know, looking forward to the possibility of using 
um, a synthetic libel rate for for what have been called tough legacy deals. Uh, and maybe that's you know a good segue into talking about synthetic libel and you know what happens if you don't manage to transition a deal. Um, Bendit, can you give us a sort of update on where we stand on this? You know, what are we still waiting for? Do you think? Yes, I do think this is a bit of an elephant in the room. Um, I think the regulators, by referring to us as, as tough legacy, perhaps are, are missing the point a bit that it doesn't have to be anything particularly tough about your contract for it not to transition contractually. Uh, loan agreements, are unlike, for instance, some swap agreements, have a perfectly good, uh, from a contractual, if not commercial point of view, perfectly good waterfall of what happens if LIBOR goes away. You get cost of funds or something else. Now, that may not be a brilliant commercial idea, but it's what the contract says. And if you want to end up with something other than what the contract says, you need all the contractual counterparties to agree. Um, and so you could have something enormously simple, like a single borrower bilateral. And if the borrower says no, well, it's not going to transfer. I don't know how tough that is, but it's, it's certainly not, not going to transfer. And I think there will be quite a lot of those, uh, just from inertia or um, just sort of a you know, lack, of, lack of digestion in the system of, of getting enough contracts to um, transition in time. And so what then happens, well, as I say, you know, probably the contract has its own waterfall, or probably work as a legal matter, fine. Uh, the good news is that um, synthetic libel, I think, may ride to the rescue here if it's done properly, uh, which will be a libel that is, is, is kept alive largely for the purposes of things that haven't transitioned. And I think we're hoping for, and there have been various statements from the government and regulators that this will happen, there will be legislation that will paper over the cracks between what it says in your contract and what synthetic LIBOR actually is. So that um, uh, if you have a loan agreement that doesn't quite work with the way synthetic LIBOR works because it contemplated you know, real LIBOR, well, actually, you know, the, the normal contractual terms would be overridden by law, which would be a really good thing because otherwise you end up with terrible dislocation in the market as people try and work out what their cost of funds are. That, of course, leaves uh, a bit of a headache for, for the regulators and there's sort of moral hazard here that maybe everyone will just stop trying because synthetic libel will work fine. Um, clearly they're keen for that not to happen and there have been various statements including Andrew Bailey's recent speech, really quite strong statements of how they will, they will regard a failure to try to transition as quite a serious disciplinary breach and something falling within the senior manager regime. Uh, so, so what can they do about that? Well, Interestingly, the Financial Services Act doesn't actually give them the power to limit the use of synthetic LIBOR because loans aren't, aren't investments that, that are regulated as such. So I think that their sanction will have to be limited to you know, the, the normal sanction for regulatory breach for, 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 for telling banks off and not doing what they should. And I guess that's why they're being very public at the moment. It needs to be taken seriously. So if they do exercise those sanctions, people can't complain about it. So I think we will end up with a pretty large chunk of loans that don't transition. And I think it's very important that we get synthetic LIBOR right for that. Uh, but in the meantime, clearly the heat is on banks to transition as many as possible. But I think that's probably all we've got time for. So thank you, Bobby, for, for joining in today. Uh, for the audience, by way of reminder, this is one of a series of podcasts on the topic of LIBOR and LIBOR reform more generally and the transition to risk-free weights. Uh, this series concentrates on the loan market. 
if you have any questions on this topic, which of course is ever developing, please do let me know or Bobby know or one of your normal contacts at Linklaters. Thank you very much.